to Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. Delivering great customer experience every time is really, really hard. If it was easy, more companies would be doing it. We all know that ain't happening. That's exactly where this show comes in. Every episode, we take a close look at companies who are getting customer experience right. Whether it's over the phone, over technology such as social media or apps on your smartphone, or in person, there are some companies who are just really good at this. This show looks at what they're doing differently to make their customers love them and introduces us to the people whose job it is to make great customer experience happen. So if delivering exceptional customer experience is part of your business, this is the podcast for you. I'm Pat Perdue, and I'm glad you found us. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm Pat Perdue, and welcome to another episode of Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. Today's conversation is with Mike Aoki. I was able to catch up with Mike at the start of the summer. I always enjoy speaking with Mike. You'll find him to be super insightful. Here are some reasons why this episode is so special. In all of our shows here on the Customer Experience Podcast, we talk about what organizations can do to improve their customer experience. One of the common challenges companies face is that if you want to provide a good customer experience on the phone, you're not allowed to sell. Either you sell or you provide great customer service. It's somehow an either-or situation. Sound familiar? Mike works with companies who need to do both. His clients need to drive sales as well as make sure their customers love them. One of the very surprising techniques we talk about in achieving this goal is the value of networking across departments so that you can make sure that your department or your team or you have the best information to keep your customers engaged. And what's cool about that is that on this show, we often talk about the importance of getting rid of the silo mentality, and we've all seen it. Each department is basically running on their own agendas and not speaking meaningfully to other departments. And sure, that falls to the very senior leadership of an organization to create an environment that discourages silos, but also everyone in the company can help with that simply by walking over to another department and saying hello. Easier said than done, right? Well, Mike spends some time talking about ways to make that happen. So thanks for spending some time with me today. Stick around. Coming up is the formal intro of Mike Aoki, so you know more about him, and then our conversation. Mike Aoki is the president of Reflective Keynotes, a Toronto-based training company that helps organizations improve both sales as well as the experience of their customers. Mike does this by working with the people whose job it is to work directly with customers. In other words, it's the actual folks we talk to on the phone. Mike is a renowned expert on contact center sales and customer service and is regularly in the top 50 most influential customer service experts in North America. Mike Aoki, I'm so excited to get to have this conversation with you. Thank you for joining our show. Oh, thanks, Pat. I'm glad to be here. Mike, let's talk a little bit about your company, Reflective Keynotes. You often find yourself working in the crossroads or the intersection of customer experience, customer service, and sales. Can you walk me through that a little? Certainly, Pat. I can give you actually a personal story about my own background. Sure. When I began with uh, Bell Mobility, the cellular phone company, uh, back in the early 90s, it was focused primarily in the customer service area on customer service. And then about a couple of years into it, they decided to shift more towards customer service and sales involving more upselling. So being able to offer things in inbound phone calls. Now, luckily, I came from a sales background, so I was able to make that transition very easily. But I noticed that people around me 
were struggling with that challenge of converting from a customer service only mindset to a sales and service mindset. If I can touch on that just a little bit, it sounds like you were doing something a little bit differently from what everybody else around you was doing. Well, there was. And that's a good point. You're right, because I came from a previous sales background mm-hmm. when they encouraged us to actually offer things during inbound phone customer service phone calls. I had no problem doing that. And I actually ranked in the top 3% in terms of sales results for you know this particular department, this particular area of 200 agents. Yeah, yeah. So my question around that is, so you did so well in sales. Did that affect your, like they must have been man- monitoring or taking a look at how your customer experience results were and your customer service results were. Did the, did the customer satisfaction uh, measurements take a hit because you were focusing on sales? Not at all. Actually, they went up because of the focus on sales. And so the customer satisfaction scores that I personally got as an agent back then stayed just as strong as always. And so I was really lucky in that point being again, I was ranked as a a P1, which was the highest ranking uh, for agents when it came to service. And so what's great about this is, and what I realized in terms of helping now my own business for the past 15 years, helping clients make that transition is that customer service and sales really go together. They're both conversations meant to help your customer. The questions you ask may be a bit different and what you suggest may be positioned differently, but it's all about having a great conversation with somebody over the phone or via email or text or live chat, one-on-one, building that connection and looking at ways to help them, whether it's fixing their initial problem or noticing something else that you can offer to them that may help them in terms of the service that you offer. It's just all about helping people. There's just different ways to do it. Hmm, Very interesting. So now, you know, this is many years later and you're consulting into companies that are having that same challenge. What do you find is the biggest barrier for organizations that have typically been focusing on customer care, uh, but they've identified that, you know, if we're going to provide the full breadth of customer experience, we also need to make sure that our clients know what we're offering. So they're going to do some selling too. What are some of the biggest challenges that they face and how do you typically help them with that? The biggest challenge they really face is the agent mindset, the frontline mindset. Oftentimes, people have a a negative association to sales. Think of a used car salesman, plaid jacket, talking crazy, right? People don't like that. And and so many times when I'll go into an organization, the frontline will say, we're customer service people, not salespeople, not those people. So what do they do? How do they turn the corner? Well, I think the biggest thing for turning the corner is to build an elements. And I do this in my training courses, build an elements of change management, really focusing in terms of redefining what service, really great service is. And the fact that it does include a component of sales, even if you don't want to use that word outright, but how to actually help people with additional products and services. And I'll just tell a personal story. I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of how important it is to be able to go and offer that kind of, of extra value that's there. Um, just a story in terms of buying buying tires. And sure. I had a chance to actually buy summer tires. The good weather's here now, no more risk of snowfall. And so, you know, <laughs> we, I was buying you summer tires. There were two different uh, tires that were out there, two different kinds of tires. The one kind was the general kind that I guess was the most popular sales item and the one that was recommended to me. And what I found out by doing some research on my own was that there's actually a better set of tires. And again, this is four tires for a car, so $1,000 investment with, with mounting your rims and things. Sure. Um, that was only $11 more, but offered actually, I think this thing was 30% increased rain traction. Okay, great. The problem was, of course, they didn't mention it to me at the point. I had to find it on my own. And the thing is this, you don't want a customer to have a reaction like I had of, why didn't somebody tell me about or why didn't somebody offer? Sure. And so one of the mindset things we work on in terms of, of the courses that I do is just the idea of offer things your customer really, truly needs that will benefit them. 
Because oftentimes people think of sales as being somebody with their own hidden agenda, their own quota or commission, pushing things at customers. That's not it. That's a bad salesperson. A good customer service and salesperson looks at, how can I help my customer? What else can we offer that maybe they don't know about or could or could really need? You know, an example would be if you phone, uh, you know, your TV company, your cable provider or, or satellite TV provider, you know, they might recognize the fact that you love basketball. And of course, the Raptors are in the playoffs right now. Things are going well. You know, there are other sports channels that are out there. Yep. There's the NBA channel. There are other sports channels, uh, you know, TSN2, et cetera, that you can add on to your service. And so offer them. Let your customer know. Your customer may say no. That's okay. But never let them hang up the phone thinking, later, find out later on, how come nobody told me about? So how can I, if I'm a, if I'm a coach or an agent and I want to make sure that my customer has all the choices available to them, but I don't want to just laundry list stuff at them. Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? What are some ways that I can drill in more quickly to provide guidance into what could be relevant to them that they'd actually like? Well, that's a great question, Pat. And you know, the thing that we that I really work on in my training sessions is how to ask great questions, great diagnostic questions. Mm-hmm. Customer service people are already great at asking questions to try to find out how to fix a problem. All they have to do now is just add a few additional questions to identify future needs or additional needs. And so it's really being able to learn that one or two extra questions that'll get information for you. And as you mentioned, Pat, you're right. You want to focus what you're asking. Don't just put out a whole laundry list of products. Don't be bite on one of them, but really focus in terms of asking great questions to find out what do they really need. So when you make that offer in terms of a suggestion, it fits exactly what they're looking for. And there's a reason why you're asking that helps that customer. Got it. I got another question for you related to that. Sort of a, a theme around our entire conversation has been around change change management or or like changing the behavior of an agent or even an organization to be more customer centric and also focus a little bit more on sales if that's if that's what they need to do. A lot of the work that you do with your clients are organizations that typically employ millennials, a lot of, you know, people in the millennial generation. How does the the notion of working with millennials impact how companies can motivate their team to be more customer focused or even to change in any way? You know, Pat, one of the things I love about millennials is they're so dedicated to causes and they want their work to align with greater values, bigger things about helping the world or helping the environment. I'll give an example. I worked recently with Bullfrog Power, which mm-hmm. is a company that provides green energy, electricity and natural gas. To, to your home and to your business. And they're very focused on helping the environment. And the group that I was working with in their contact center were all millennials. And they were so dedicated, so passionate about what they were doing. And so it was really able to help them in terms of just refine a little bit about the sales questions that they were asking and how they presented their offer. But the passion was there and they really were looking out for what does everyone they talk to, what do they really need and how can they help that person help the environment and help a greater good. And so for millennials, it's really about being able to help them see that connection between what they do on every call with every customer to a greater good of some kind. Now, in this case, of course, it was pretty obvious. It was helping the environment. But even in other contexts, if you're working for, say, uh, uh, you know, a bank, you know, it is about being able to ask questions to help a customer save service charges, avoid service charges, save money, build their investment portfolio. I mean, there are greater goods that are there beyond just simply do following policies and procedures. And so a lot of this is going beyond just simply telling the millennial what to do, but rather showing them why it's really important for them to do it for the overall values or morals or ethics or helping other people in some way. 
And this ties into the idea of if I'm a manager and I'm perhaps new to my team or new to my area, and perhaps I need to move the bar with my team a little bit, make it either whether it's sales focused or customer service focused or customer experience focused, would you advocate this approach typically across the board to provide the this kind of leadership for my team? Well, I would in the sense that everyone, not just millennials, but every age group wants to know how they make a difference and why what they do is important. But, you know, the very first thing I do is if I were going to be taking over a brand new team would be don't tell, ask ask questions, mm-hmm. find out what's important to your group and what matters to your group and ask them about how they see their contribution to the overall company and to a greater good and then begin to build that dialogue, that conversation. So don't tell, but just ask up front and ask great questions and find out more about the people that you're, that you're dealing with. And so, okay, so let's say I do. I'm new to my team or I'm working with a new team and we might have a team huddle or a pre-shift or a team meeting. And I will ask those questions or maybe I'm going to get that information one-on-one. What can I do with that information to make that relevant and help my team make a difference? Well, I think from that point, you want to take a look at how are they contributing to the overall greater good and what are some of the success stories that they have and then sharing those. So looking in terms of taking great customer examples and it could be either from your from your front line in terms of what they're hearing from their customers and let them share great stories about how they helped somebody, how they went above and beyond you know, the call to be able to go and help a customer and how the customer responded to it. Or some of the success stories that were there. You can also turn to your marketing team and see if they have any customer, and not research in the sense of data, but actual anecdotal stories or examples that you can use that you can share with your team as well about how your how your front line and how your company helps make things better in this world. Got it. I know you work with a wide variety of organizations of different sizes, where sometimes the marketing department is very siloed and separated from the customer care, customer service department, and the contact center, so they'll never talk to each other and. And in other sized organizations, and I think this is a bit of a strategic advantage, the marketing department might be a marketing person who works a couple of offices down the hall. What are your thoughts on, on trying to integrate these different departments to really emphasize the stories that you were just talking about? And what are some things that companies can do to, to make that happen, do you think? Well, I think one of the keys is to build that regular dialogue and break down the silos that you mentioned. And so having regular meetings, definitely from the contact center perspective, as a contact center leader, it's vital that you build those connections with other departments and build in regularly scheduled weekly, bi-weekly meetings with key points in in terms of other departments that are out there, whether it's IT, marketing, sales, et cetera, because typically the contact center is the focus or, or, or bears a brunt of any calls that come in due to new sales campaigns, ad campaigns product problems, recalls, etc. And so it's really important to be as proactive as possible as a contact center leader to build those connections so you get the info so you can help prepare your people ahead of time. And so formally having meetings like that, also informally networking within your company, being able to go and find out and build good personal one-on-one relationships with other key people in different departments will really help your department perform well. What a really interesting idea, Mike. The notion that networking, and, and you know, networking, everybody's a bit different at networking, right? It's not everybody's comfort level. But the idea that effective networking within your company can make a difference to the to the customer experience. Oftentimes we think of networking as, you know, I want to get to know people in my company. Maybe it's for uh, job security or my career path or something like that. But to network for the purpose of impacting the customer experience. I'm not sure that that's a, that's a mindset that a lot of people take for the purpose of networking. But it seems to me like such a great idea. 
Well, it is, Pat. And it's interesting, I just gave a presentation for the Human Resources Professional Association in Southwestern Ontario, and a lot of it was focused upon internal networking. And for that very reason, because it's really important about having those informal connections where you hear things through the grapevine, but you actually have to grow that grapevine. And so, you know, as you mentioned, things like people network right now for job positions, promotions, etc. Well, you know what? If you have a great grape grapevine built up, if you hear things ahead of time, if you have great networking conversations, you can actually do that because you'll increase your own performance and do better yourself. And also you'll be able to go and help others as well. And and again, they'll go and you know help you as well. So it's building those informal networking connections. And I'll give you an example of that. When I was this is a few years ago when I was managing the training department at ClearNet. Remember ClearNet, the old cell phone provider? Uh-huh. And I was actually managing their call center uh, training area. And I very deliberately built connections with obviously people in the call center but also in human resources because they were hiring all the people we were training uh, in terms of you know uh, IT because they're providing our training environment, computers, equipment, et cetera, for the training room. Even the, the printing and, and, um, and mailroom area because they're printing all the binders and, and things like that. And just finding out more about the people that, that I was dealing with and also thanking them for their help as well and building those connections. And so you know from just something as simple as having to go and print 15 binders for a new hire training course, but also be, knowing the people who are doing their printing and, have, and finding out from them, oh, they've got a big print job coming up for marketing next week okay we'll get our binders in a little earlier so you guys don't get slammed with that with our stuff too you know and just just knowing that ahead of time versus not having a connection putting a print order in and then being told well it's going to get bumped to the back of the line you have to wait seven extra days now because marketing has a huge order ahead of you you know Mm -hmm. so again it's just sort of knowing those informal things and informal connections and you know a lot of it is just meeting really great people and having conversations and there are folks from that time that's 15 16 years ago that I'm still in touch with you know and still talk to you as friends and we've all moved on to different places or our own businesses or, or whatever but it's building great connections and you said something a while back that I wanted to focus on a little bit you know it's it's about hearing things through the grapevine grapevine but you have to grow that grapevine it's not something that happens you know, it can happen on its own, but it will happen, I guess, more quickly and more effectively when it's something that we consider and we make it a point to do that. Is that sort of where, you, where you're pointing to with that idea? Yes, it is. Definitely. It's, it's one of the reasons why I offer a program on how to be able to network more effectively as part of the management training that I do for call center managers. And most people look at that and say, well, why do I have to learn more about networking? You know, in terms of being a contact center manager, it's because you need to deal with other departments and get information ahead of time or as quickly as you can and, and be able to pick up a phone and talk to somebody you've talked to before and have a relationship with and have helped before in case you need some help from them as well. So that's why I include that. Where do you find is the challenge? If we can spend a little bit of time here because, you know, we talk about on this podcast, on this show, we talk about customer experience. And this is the first time so far that the notion of networking as a as a best practice to drive a positive customer experience has come up. So I, I, Mike, I just think that's so fascinating. So not everybody is a born networker. If I'm listening to this and I'm a contact center manager and I want to increase my net promoter score or I want to really increase the, the mm-hmm. experience of the customers that are calling, what can I do if I'm not a natural born networker to start to get out of my shell and talk to people and approach people that I otherwise may not approach? Well, part of it is looking in terms of 
especially if you're a shyer person, is look for the friendly faces. Look for the mm-hmm. people you know in a meeting that are more open to talking. Um, something else too, is, I know this is difficult when it comes to corporate schedules, but arrive at a meeting five minutes early. Just five, that's all, just five. Arrive at a meeting or a conference call mm-hmm. if you're dialing in five minutes early and just chat with whoever's there a few minutes ahead of time. And oftentimes people arrive five minutes late. Well, exactly. And there's no time to network or chat. You just have to jump into whatever the meeting Correct. is. And again, this isn't wasted time. It's actually very precious time. That five minutes early to meeting might be the only time you have to actually ask informal questions or build a relationship one-on-one with somebody and actually do that. But I'll tell you that extra five minutes, even for you know a meet, one meeting a day, if you can even do five minutes once a day, it'll help you build your network. But again, look at it in terms of building relationships and also how can you help other people as well. If I've never thought about networking within my company before, what can I do to help create a mindset that will allow me to look for opportunities to help people in such a way that I can begin to grow and and nurture those relationships? Well, Pat, I know you talk about pay it forward Fridays and the whole idea about paying it forward, doing something good for someone else, expecting nothing at all in return, knowing that when you put out good in the world, usually good comes back to you, maybe even from someone else, but in some form. And so part of it is just thinking as in your role as a contact center manager, director, et cetera, what can you do to help other departments? Because believe it or not, contact centers are the best source of intelligence when it comes to what customers are doing out there. Because of course, in the, in the call center, we hear all the issues that customers have with the front line for customers. And so that's tremendously valuable. And so if you're having a chat with somebody in marketing, can you informally bring up some interesting trends or information or even an anecdotal story of some kind? Or if you're looking, and as we all know, the contact center typically depends upon a lot of other areas to function well, right? IT provides the computers, the phone connections, the, you know, the, the IVR system, et cetera. Marketing, of course, and sales, the products and sales, uh, ad campaigns you want to get heads up on because they'll drive call volume, right? We're, we're, the contact center is so much at the mercy of all these other departments departments, then it's really important to build these connections, but also realize that the contact center has great information to pass along to these areas. And so there's great value there you can do. And and the notion of the anecdote, we often work in worlds that are really number driven. They're statistical driven. What can I do as a person who works in the contact center? Maybe I manage a team, maybe I manage individuals who manage teams. What can I do to start to collect anecdotes so that when I'm having that, oh, by the way, conversation with somebody in marketing, I might have something ready that will be of value. Simply just ask your front line. If you know that, say, the numbers are indicating 20% of customers are returning at him because of this particular issue, that's your, your, your hard data point. Bring that, of course, as well, but also ask your front line, okay, great. So for the 20 of us on, on my team or, or 100 of us in our, my department, what are some personal stories? Mm-hmm. You know, who has an example here of a specific issue, a specific customer story example about why that person returned that product? Because I don't just want to say the stat says 20%. I want to say, and, you know, John Smith in Toronto returned it because it didn't do this, this, and this. Because the thing is this, that as good as a data is, and it's very important, of course, you run a business with data, it's the emotional stories that tend to move people emotionally. And so what stories can you also gather? And that's one of the big advantages that you've got is, you know, your call center department or contact center is getting all of these great tweets and emails and phone calls rich in information. And so you've got these stories right at your fingertips. Marketing has to go and have a focus group, bring people in, bring professional facilitator in, you know, to, to get that same information. You've got it every single day, every single minute coming into you. So it's very valuable. 
Makes sense. And and I think it might be something that's overlooked, right? Because we don't realize what a treasure trove of information we might have in our contact center. Great, great point. And a little thought about all the public speaking you do and the different kinds of companies that you work with. And very sadly, and Mike, this has been a great, great conversation. A lot of interesting insights have come out of this. So thank you very much for your time and your generosity. If you are going to leave the listeners of this show with an idea, or if you typically attempt to leave your clients with a resounding idea, what would you want to share with our listeners? That customer service and sales are really just the same thing. It's all about having a great one-on-one conversation, finding out what your customer needs and how you can help them, and then offering it to them and making it easy for them to say yes to whatever it is that you're offering by focusing exactly on what they need and having the intention of wanting to help what's best for them. Not what's best for you, what's best for them as a customer to make things better for them. And if you have that mindset, then in a customer service department or service and sales department, the sales will flow because you're doing it for the right reasons. I love that thought, Mike. If you're genuinely selling with the true needs of your customer in mind, then your customer will ultimately appreciate that and see that as contributing to a positive customer experience. Well, thank you again, Mike, for joining us. You know, it's always such a pleasure speaking with you. You're welcome, Pat. Thanks for having me. And for more information on Mike Aoki and Reflective Keynotes, go to www.reflectivekeynotes.com. And of course, all the details of today's show, including Mike's website, will be listed in our show notes. Thank you for listening to Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. I really appreciate this time you've spent. Hopefully it brought some value to your day. And if you liked what you've heard, the best thing you can do is tell someone about it. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Pat Perdue. And until next time, give someone a great experience today.